right, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Karen Roseberry. She is leading the Recall Gascon Now movement. Uh, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm one of many. I'm one of many uh, concerned citizens of Los Angeles County uh, that, that just uh, want to see this effort underway, but uh, doing really well. Had a really nice Memorial Day. How are you? Did you have a good weekend? I did. I did. Yeah. So I'm curious how you got involved in this and why. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, I've fairly politically active just in terms of trying to stay astute and, you know, on, on top of, you know, a, a number of elections and yeah. was watching the Jackie Lacey, uh, George Gascon election uh, very closely. Uh, it was definitely a concern uh, because those of us that were, were really mindful and watching saw the risks of what Gascon was calling reform as not being reform. And so you know, there was definitely an effort um, to try to ensure that, that Jackie Lacey was reelected. And when that was unsuccessful, I think wagons began to circle early on uh, because we had seen what happened in San Francisco. Uh, we knew what Gascon was going to bring to Los Angeles. Now, unfortunately, that wasn't widespread enough to keep him from being elected. But, but those of us that were watching knew that there was going to be a risk. And, you know, Prophetically, the day he took office, he began issuing a series of directives that undermined rule of law and undermined the very office uh, for which he was elected. And so, uh, like I say, a, a group of concerned citizens, um, largely initially ed, led by, I think, uh, you know, victims that were concerned about not receiving justice and then growing and expanding out to just a diverse community of, of all Angelinos who recognized the, the risk to public safety that Gascon brought. And that, that was quickly illustrated when there were spikes in crime that paralleled um, his directives because it emboldened criminals. And so it was just a matter of actually waiting the 90 days that Los Angeles County requires uh, before Gascon could be served with a notice of intent and we could move forward with this recall effort. Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about those directives that have led to an increase in crime? Um, and then my second question after that is, uh, knowing what he might do, you were saying that wasn't enough to you know, stop him from being elected. Do you have any insight as to why that might be? A few things, yes. So in terms of the directives, uh, there were several. Uh, one of the directives actually indicated that there would no longer be a prosecution. Essentially, it would be an, an automatic uh, dismissal for a number of misdemeanor crimes. Uh, these include crimes like trespassing, resisting arrest, prostitution. Uh, many of these are sometimes referred to as quality of life crimes. And when law enforcement can't stop criminal behavior, at the early stages, it only 
accelerates and exacerbates that behavior further. If someone is trespassing on property, it is oftentimes for rather nefarious purposes. It can lead very quickly to things like breaking and entering. It can lead very quickly to things like vandalism, destruction of that property on which they're trespassing. And so the, the criminals recognize, oh, you can't stop me. And so it simply pushes that line out further and makes things much more dangerous, which is again, what we've been seeing with those spikes in crime, including violent crime, because he's also issued directives that are concerning regarding sentencing, um, no longer sending uh, deputy district attorneys to parole hearings. So there's a attitude that there's going to be a severe atmosphere of leniency. Uh, the punishments are no longer fitting the crime. And criminals, again, continue to be emboldened by, you know, what's the worst that you're going to do to me? You know, slap me on the wrist and send me back out. He no longer requires cash bail which voters voted on in the very same election in which he was elected. So these were a number of those directives that were there. And in response to the second question as to how did this happen? Well, first of all, this was not the reform of which he spoke when he ran on a platform of reform. The reforms of which he spoke of had to do with making sure that we were holding law enforcement accountable for their actions under rule of law. And so the irony in a very sad and twisted way of the chief executive officer abusing his power in a fictitious attempt to reform criminal justice is just as bad as when there are those rare occasions of abuse of power under the color of authority of law enforcement. There are mechanisms in place to hold law enforcement accountable when they overstep. Sure. Unfortunately, the mechanism to hold George Gascon responsible as the district attorney requires a recall process because he is now the power abuser. He's an out of control politician who thinks because he was elected, he's safe for four years. You can't touch me. I was elected by the people. You were elected to be the district attorney, the chief prosecutor, the chief individual to prosecute criminal offenders. And he is disregarding that role for which he was elected, hired, and put in office. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think he's doing that? Oh, I think that there's probably an, a number of reasons. And, and I do think that there, there is a concern of just a underlying tenor amongst political officials to potentially abuse power so that they can concentrate power, unfortunately. And sometimes that is more easily accomplished in a heightened sense of fear. So if you see things like spiking crime or a nearly almost system of anarchy that can sometimes emerge when rule of law is not the standard in a society, then people are more and more fearful for their public safety and have a greater and greater tendency to cede rights away to more and more abusers of power. On the shorter term, that's a little more kind of deep and philosophical of maybe the bigger sure. picture and things that are there. On the shorter term, I think that it is pop culture and sort of the, the, the trend of the day uh, to see these sort of things happening. Now, I, I 
don't think it will last significantly long because we're already seeing pushback from various cities that have acted in similar manners, even places like Minneapolis, you know, where there was, you know, a very uh, you know, large push for a defund the police movement and the incredible spikes in crime that they saw. But when it was sort of a trendy, popular thing, I think Gascon tried to ride that wave. And I think that, you know, he has bigger political ambitions. If you think about the pattern of someone who's been a district attorney of San Francisco and moves on, we have, for example, like Kamala Harris, you know, became the attorney general. I think that that could very likely be what, you know, Gascon would like for his next stop. And Again, we, we have, have Newsom who appointed him into his position in San Francisco. He appointed an attorney general that patterns his policies in a very similar fashion. So Gascon could be a ease into that role after, you know, potentially his, his term in Los Angeles. And then, you know, I'm sure his political ambitions probably could mirror or pattern what we've seen for others uh, that have been in that role. Uh, so it really is crucial that we stop him here and now in Los Angeles before this spreads to other counties, statewide, or even throughout the nation. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the other things you can speak to uh, that he's uh, doing? You know, certainly the inciting crime. Um, what are some of the other things that people are concerned about? Absolutely. So within the the deputy district or, or deputy district attorneys in general, and so within the district attorney's office, um, there has been a, a dismantling of the the hardcore gang unit. There has been uh, drastic slashes to the narcotics division. There is a just general atmosphere that deputy district attorneys are not being permitted to do their jobs. In fact, several have spoken out about this. John McKinney has uh, come out speaking against this. John Hatami has come out about this, you know, as well. Um, Sheriff Villanueva um, has come out in support of the recall effort and has signed the petition because he sees the risks to being able to enforce the law and the consequences that that brings. And so when you have this erosion of the criminal justice system, not a reform of it for improvement, these are tremendous risks, again, to, to the foundation of our, our society based on rule of law. Uh, again, anytime you have an elected official acting outside of the scope of their authority, yeah. there's a problem. For sure. And the good news is, though, is, is that there's already been 15 cities that have voted no confidence in Gascon and in his policies. And so we are seeing within our, our system of government the opportunity to have checks and balances. It, it, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. In, in the same way that the federal and the state governments balance one another and, and neither is the ultimate controlling factor, right. we have local government officials who are able to at least exert, while it, it's mostly symbolic, but they are able to voice and say, no, you've gone too far. What you are doing is endangering our residents. As city council members, our chief responsibility is to the residents of our city and we're not okay with these quality of life crimes not being prosecuted and what this does to our communities and so you know we're continuing to see this expand um, probably more and more cities uh, will come on board with this and again it, it, this is this is truly a historic movement in the fact that 
we've never had a district attorney behave in such a fashion um, as this. And so there really is that, that need, again, to, to check this now. And, and we're starting to see people wake up and do just that. That's great. So this is unprecedented in, in what way? The fact that there has not been a recall of a sitting Los Angeles okay. County District Attorney to this state because we've never had one to have to go to this level. We've never experienced such an individual trying to abuse the office and abuse his power in such a way and to just disregard the, the laws that the legislature has passed, the laws that the people have, have passed. He has you know, essentially said that special enhancements are, are not gonna be enforced. And again, these are laws that have gone through the state legislature. They've been supported by voters in ballot initiatives and at the polls and you know, in elections. And he is acting as a one person arbitrator of selectively choosing which laws to enforce and which laws he will you know, disregard. That's not equitable enforcement of the law. And in reality, it, it's going to undermine any attempt at reform. If you don't have equitable enforcement of the rule of law, then any attempts to come along and say, well, we're gonna prosecute this person, but we're not gonna prosecute this person is going to be perceived as an injustice. And, and that's exactly what's been going on and trying to, trying to compensate for past injustices by creating more injustice doesn't fix the problem. No, not at all. Right. <laughs> not, not even close. So how is the recall going so far? Excellent question. Uh, we're about 11 and a half, 12 days into it. Uh, we yeah. 160 days from the time that the petition was approved. Mm -hmm. It was approved uh, late afternoon, uh, Thursday, May 20th. Uh, we have until October 27th uh, to submit just under uh, 580,000 qualified signatures. Okay. Uh, Los Angeles County is a very dynamic county. Uh, mm -hmm. So this means that people are oftentimes moving in, moving out, registered addresses have a tendency to change. So okay. we are looking to collect in excess of about 750 to 800,000 signatures. Great. So this, this is definitely a, a daunting task in front of us, but it is an achievable task. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, hundreds of motivated volunteers that you know are, are out on street corners, in restaurants, you know, in you know, outside of churches, outside of, you know, public venues, you know, mini marts, shopping malls, you know, where, wherever they can, you know, in, in public access, set up a table and start collecting signatures. Uh, recall Gascon now. Uh, we'll also be working on door-to-door -door efforts here, uh, probably within the next, uh, hopefully, two to three weeks. Uh, we, we have um, the anticipation of being able um, to help those that want to collect signatures in, in that way as well. We have a number of businesses um, that are partners with us as being permanent signing locations, um, also available on our website of, of recallgasconnow.com. So there's a lot of ways that people can sign, mm -hmm. they can collect signatures, they can distribute the petition to get more signatures. And for you know, the first you know, 12 days of the effort, we are off to a great start. And it's really maintaining that, that steady pace. This is, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And so it, it, I mean, it is a sprint in one respect because 
we only have 160 have days time, total, right? but we, we've got to keep that same momentum up and even grow it um, as we go through uh, the next five months. And like I say, there's a lot of just energy behind this and a lot of motivated volunteers that recognize that this has to be stopped here and now. And many of them were successful, you know, in uh, getting the signatures to get the recall of Gavin Newsom on the ballot. And mm -hmm. while those two recalls are very different mm -hmm. in the fact that Gavin Newsom's recall, while certainly bipartisan, because the office itself is a partisan office, does have a little bit of a partisan flavor to it, even though thousands and thousands of signatures collected were from Democrats and independents, and it's not nearly the effort being sort of viewed or through the, the lens that, that Gavin Newsom would like to, to shape it. The, the district attorney's recall is entirely and completely nonpartisan. The office itself is nonpartisan. Right. Gascon ran against a, a Democrat, in fact, you know, a, a, a Black Democrat woman. And right. so th there is nothing about this recall that is partisan in nature. It is purely about his abuse of power. Yeah. And try as he may to reshape that narrative, <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to be as successful as he thinks that he will be. Um, he, like I say, he's certainly making a valiant effort, but the reality is that what he's doing far ex exceeds the scope of his authority. It is a nonpartisan office and seat, and it's being viewed precisely in that manner. That's great. And, yeah, exactly. Because exactly. <laughs> it, it absolutely is nonpartisan, but it's great that people are recognizing it and it's being perceived that way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the other really good aspect, you know, uh, to that is that in addition to that, that nonpartisan uh, component is the fact that we have a, again, Democratic sheriff who's come out in support of this, who actually ran on a reform-based platform uh, as well himself. Um, so, you know, there's certainly that. The, the one uh, uh, kind of opposite side to this is that Gascon is not as well-known a name Right. as Newsom was. And so as we compare those those two, the, you know, kind of the two sides of the coin of, of the different recall efforts and the yeah. momentum that, that got both, you know, to this place, it does take a little more time to inform voters about the fact that he's the district attorney and what he's doing because there isn't that same level of name recognition. Or even what his role is. I think a lot of people are just not that versed and, uh, you know, sadly, because all politics are local, most people are not yes. versed in local politics and they don't really understand the ramifications and what role they may play, uh, how they can be involved and what the effects of those officials are going to be, so... 1000%. The good news is, is that as this effort goes on, more and more people will be educated, informed, and will yes. be helping to actually, you know, educate the electorate in Los Angeles County. This effort has tremendous benefit to the potential for our county to take a step towards common sense. <laughs> I think people really have realized, wait a Make second. Make common sense more common? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I, I think the pendulum has swung so far to the left that it, it has to hit a stopping point. And, and I think we're getting very, I think we've actually hit that. I think we're starting to see it move back when you have a recall effort moving this quickly forward in with this level of momentum, with this many cities on board. It, 
the pendulum is swinging back and saying, look, you know, we're not talking about making, you know, Los Angeles red, that, that, you know, that that's not what this effort is necessarily, you know, going to, you know, entail. But it does mean that people who might not have realized how far into a dangerous territory there had been a move into just an incredibly leftist ideology. We're not talking center left. We're talking to the point that we are willing to disregard rule of law for achieving like, this, you know, again, I'm going to be a little philosophical here. Sure. This is borderline Machiavellian of like, you know, trying to say that the ends justify the means. Well, first of all, what you're trying to accomplish isn't even just for the justification of that. And right. the other aspect is, is that the, the ends, you know, the, the means by which you're trying to even get there to disregard rule of law in no way would justify any reform that you're trying to achieve. And so we just have a, a very serious, you know, problem that I think people, even though, you know, that might be a little deeper than they go, they, they get it, even if that's not the way that they would specifically describe it. It's like, wait a second, you can't, you can't destroy the, the foundation to try to get something that's there. You know, yes, you know, sometimes we need to reform, reshape, rebuild, but not at the expense of utter destruction Absolutely. of the foundation of rule of law. Well said. So well said. I want to circle back to something you were talking <laughs> I want to circle back to when you were saying uh, we need qualified signatures. Yes. Uh, I think that's a really important component. And I want you to possibly expound on what qualifies the signatures. What does that mean? Definitely. Uh, the number one qualification is, is that they are a registered voter of Los Angeles County. Mm -hmm. So um, we do have like a number of efforts um, that are underway at, you know, various, you know, your kind of border towns, you know, whether, it, you know, it's Orange County or whether it's up to the north in, in Kern County. So it, it's making sure that that individuals are registered voters of Los Angeles County um, who, you know, could potentially vote in this election, which just means that they're a registered voter of Los Angeles County. It's making sure that the address that they put down is their registered voter address. They can't put down a PO box. They they can't put down their old address or you know well I I you know live over here. You're like it has to be the the address at which they're registered to vote and which should be their residence address. Um, the you know like I say there's some requirements in making sure that cities are not abbreviated. Uh, but there is sometimes a little misinformation that that's out there and it's just sort of a hyper vigilance which is good but you know, you can abbreviate something like a street or a boulevard, it will not invalidate um, the, the, the signature. So okay. again, if it's a general postal abbreviation, but cities can't be abbreviated because they wouldn't know which city it actually was with the abbreviation. There's too many possible variations of that. Uh, they uh, uh, do suggest um, that it will be in a blue and black ink. Um, that's actually more of a state requirement than a county, but where county guidelines don't speak on certain issues, then state guidelines will come in to clarify. Uh, it's also just going to make sure that it's able to be seen most easily and that there isn't, you know, glare, et cetera. So, so blue or black ink, no PO boxes, registered voter of Los Angeles County, address matches, the registered address as the voter, you know, has that, you know, without any, you know, confusion of abbreviations of cities, et cetera. And that will pretty much by and large cover most of uh, the, the issues that, that usually come up um, in disqualification. There may always be a, one or two random things, but if those things are being hit, we're going to have a nice high percentage of qualified signatures. 
Awesome. Um, I had heard something about like the type of paper that it's on. Is that true? <laughs> so there, there's actually two versions of the petition. There, there's, to be perfectly clear, there is one and only one petition that is being circulated. Okay. There is a petition that has room for three signatures on traditional letter sized paper, the eight and a half by 11. There is also a petition, exact same petition, but it is on legal sized paper that gives room for 16 signatures. Uh, both have been approved by the County of Los Angeles um, for circulation and the collection of signatures. The, the, the other thing that I will add um, that actually does go along with your, your first question is that there's a declaration of the circulator um, on the petition form. And so in terms of qualified signatures, everything that we talked about, but making sure that those qualified signatures actually are counted mm -hmm. also requires that the declaration of the circulator is filled out completely and accurately. Uh, again, at Recall Gascon now, we have some training documents. Uh, we've conducted about three trainings. I think there was one other training that was conducted as well. And so it's pretty straightforward. And then obviously, if you had any questions that, you know, there's you know, numerous points of contact that, you know, can help to answer those questions. But, you know, it is making sure that all of those fields are filled out correctly, signed um, in order to make sure that those signatures do count. So you mean there needs to be verification. Very interesting, because that's what's being argued against for our federal elections, isn't it? You know, yes. it, it, it's funny how particular they are about verifying signatures for a recall election, and yet the efforts that have been undertaken to try to, you know, strengthen the security and safety of, of our, you know, regular elections sometimes is met with resistance to suggest that, you know, simple guidelines are a restriction to voting, which, which seems rather counterintuitive when you want to verify signatures for a recall effort, which is just as democratic as a voting process. But again, both of them should actually undergo that. We, we wanna make sure yeah. that in, in both cases, people that are either casting ballots or that are signing for a recall are those that are, should be involved in the electoral process. Yes, yes. But again, this goes back to making common sense more common. And exactly. maybe we'll get there. <laughs> exactly. And just a consistency in logic and application as well. I think that that's just so very true. fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really good point. Um, so I think the next point that a lot of people probably aren't very versed in is what happens, let's say he does get recalled and this is successful. What then? Absolutely. So um, people are getting more aware because again, we because of news. news. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And it, it actually patterns very much in the same way. So on October 27th, uh, we will have the opportunity to turn in the collected signatures that ideally will be you know, far in excess of the 580,000 qualified signatures that we need. They have approximately 30 days uh, to review those signatures, verify count, make sure that they, they do in fact meet that threshold. Mm -hmm. And then once that happens, uh, there will be a, a timeline um, outlined to set the election date. There, there's a couple of uh, verification points you know, throughout that process, which actually is the same thing that we're going through with the, the Newsom recall as well. Uh, right. The signatures have been submitted, I believe that the verification of them has finalized. There's, you know, that, that sort of window where, you know, people can, you know, comment and, you know, uh, come in. 
then once the yes, the you know required number of signatures has been met, they go through and then they will set the date based off of the calendar timeline that's there. Uh, same process uh, will occur with the, the Gascon recall. We, we submit the quali qualified signatures, they verify the qualified signatures, they check off the other requirements that are necessary uh, within the guide to recall, and then they will set an election date. The election will also be very similar uh, to what we're seeing uh, with Recall Newsom. There are two questions that are asked of the voters during a, a recall. The first question is, do you want to recall the official in office? So you know, do you want to recall George Gascon as the LA County District Attorney? If 50% plus one voter of those who vote in that election vote yes, he is immediately recalled and removed from office. His replacement is then determined by the top vote getter of question number two. So in question number two, anyone who wants to run for the office, who is qualified for the office based off of the requirements of the you know, LA County you know, guidelines for district attorney and any, any state requirements that are present for that office as well, most of the time an attorney, Probably having worked in the district attorney's office would be wise, but that is not, you know, for example, Gascon has not actually tried cases. So that's, you know, kind of, you know, questionable in and of itself. But those requirements are met, filing fee is paid, they will be listed on the ballot, top vote getter. If the first question is answered in the affirmative with 50% plus one, then becomes the next district attorney. Okay, nice. And do we have any sense of who, I, I know it's really early, but are there any people who are surfacing as potential if this does go through? Uh, I've heard a few names uh, kicked around. Again, I don't know who's actually um, going to, to run or file um, or, or mm -hmm. be a part of that. Uh, right. like Recall Gascon now um, is, is completely neutral. Uh, we, we are a non-candidate uh, controlled committee. Sure. So like I say, we, we welcome anyone who wants to help the effort for the recall and then you right. know, they, they choose to do that. But, but you know, I, I think that you know, we might see you know, uh, John McKinney, John Hatami, possibly Steve Cooley, maybe Jackie Lacey. I mean, these are a few names that have been kicked around, but I don't know that anyone has officially said if this you know recall goes through i'm a candidate and i'm sure. running and i don't think anyone's going to until you know we're much closer okay. and quite honestly at this point it's really not about specifically the replacement it's really about removing an out of control politician and then we can speak to who's going to replace that individual that will not be a power abuser Sure. So I agree. We need to handle, you know, first things first. But I think it's also important for people to understand what types of things to be aware of when they're going to be, let's say, you know, hopefully this is successful. We don't want somebody else who's just going to be another abuser of power and do similar things, right? We don't want just another face implementing the same poor governance. So what are some of the things that, you know, citizens, concerned citizens can be on the lookout for um, in these people who are not only what their platform that they're campaigning on is, but also maybe looking, you know, their history so that we can have a, right, so that we can be cued in to what are some of the red flags we might say, maybe that's not who we want to vote for. You took the words right out of my mouth. I would actually <laughs> look at the experience. And, and, and it is unfortunate that there was not a heightened sense of examination of what Gascon 
had and hadn't done. I mean, had there really been a deeper examination of the way that he left San Francisco, I, I think voters might have been appalled. And so, again, it does kind of go back to the need to, you know, have an informed and educated electorate. Um, that really is crucial. Uh, again, my, my background is in political science, and I, I, I kind of had a little bit of an emphasis in theory, and so I, I, I'm very fond of Aristotle. Uh, and he, I was a philosophy major, so oh, yeah, <laughs> you're in good company here. Right on. So <laughs> Aristotle will speak to the fact that you know, for for proper government to work, it actually is a polity, and polity requires basically responsible citizenry, and so that responsible citizenry has to be an informed and educated electorate. And had that happened, we would have seen what had happened in San Francisco, and we would have recognized this is not something that we want repeated. But, but I would strongly suggest look at their track record. Have they actually prosecuted cases? Have they been successful at that? Do they have a relationship with victims? Are they, are they you know, empathetic to them? Are they understanding of the rule of law? You know, what do people that know them say? If we had listened a little more carefully, I mean, even those that knew Gascon from San Francisco kind of warned us about the way that he left, you know, that city. And so again, you know, it, it really is doing the due diligence of what does the character of this person, you know, again, kind of looking at the, the, the ethos, the logos and the pathos of this, you know, it's the, what's the character of the individual? Do they have a track record of, you know, experiential ability to prosecute cases and know what's entailed in that job. Yes, there's some managerial components, but there also is a place where they are the, the, the chief enforcement officer of the prosecution of crime in Los Angeles County, and they should have some experience doing that. And then again, I think that looking at, you know, whether they, they have empathy and, you know, whether they, they have the ability um, to relate to, you know, victims of crime and do they perceive, you know, victims of crime as, as being ones needing safeguarding or do they have a distorted view of who victims are to the point that they essentially have flip-flop criminals for victims and victims almost for criminals in, in the way that they are treated or, or commented on uh, you know in passing when addressing the, the concerns that they have you know with this district attorney yeah no so such great points thank you um yeah so I'm trying to think what else I should, uh, <laughs> anything else you want to, that you want to add? Let's see. I mean, I think that, you know, I think that it's important to just to, to remember that this is by first and foremost, a, a bipartisan effort, um, that this is about all Angelinos. And we really do want to make this as inclusive and welcoming and positive and productive a movement and effort as possible. Um, this is about building um, and not destroying. We, we have someone already who is destroying the rule of law right. and, and we need to build a, a stronger effort in response that says no. Law-abiding citizens, those that are concerned about their public safety, you know, those who are concerned about justice being enacted for, for crimes that have been you know, committed against you know, them or their family members want to make sure that they're receiving that and that, that sentencing and that directives are just as well so that people know that there are consequences for actions and that the yes. punishment does fit the crime. I, I think that we are, are creating a society with these types of directives that are dangerous and the fact that people don't recognize that there are consequences for their actions. And so I, I think uh, just 
educating the electorate on those points um, is really key and letting them know that we have someone who's rogue and dangerous and they have an opportunity to make Los Angeles County safer by exercising their you know, democratic right to a recall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this may be a little bit of a, a tangent, but somewhat, you know, definitely Please. related. What are some of the, because we are seeing a rise in crime already, um, what are some of the crimes that we are seeing? Um, and what are some of the, I guess, the things that people, what would be some of the buffers against that, I think, is maybe the question. Sure. So, I mean, some of them were, were deeply disturbing. And, and I believe it was February. Um, there was actually a report to that homicides were up 200% over the same time of last year. So these are not just even the, you know, trivial crimes that, you know, would, you know, oh, they're just, you know, low level little, you know, I mean, like there, there were some pretty serious offenses, you know, that, that were, were spiking in this regard. Um, yeah. There have been reports to the city councils by, you know, police chiefs in various cities who have been reporting the fact that, you know, an individual might be, you know, arrested, released on the, the no bail policy, and then simply rearrested again hours later because th th there was no deterrence to that crime. Um, th there is a, a radical inconsistency that's actually happening uh, with one of uh, Gascon's spokespeople. Um, his name is Max Zabo, and he's uh, spoken at a few of the, the city council uh, meetings. And ironically, he will suggest that. An arrest alone is typically enough of a deterrent to crime to stop people from reoffending. And yet, in the same breath, we will hear that 95% of the individuals who have been incarcerated then reoffend. And so the argument is, is that incarceration isn't working to stop reoffending, but an arrest alone will stop and be enough of a deterrent. That is grossly illogical and radically inconsistent. To suggest that it was the incarceration that was the cause for the reoffense is not making any sense when you you know are trying to say over here, well, if you're just arrested, that's going to be enough to deter you know from from committing another crime. Not to mention that we're seeing cases where people have been arrested, released, and being picked right back up again. Right. But but that's that type of logical inconsistency and almost a cognitive dissonance that we were talking about earlier in the fact that people are not processing um, the, the, the steps again in that sort of logical fashion or manner. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think are some of the correlations? And this is where I was kind of uh, thinking it might be related, but maybe not 100%. Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, the a lot of them were released early in uh, 2020, right? Um, and so, and because they have a tendency to repeat offend. <laughs> so what are some of the consequences of that that we're seeing and how is that being handled? I think one of the, the most significant consequences, and I would want to drill down on the data a little bit because I yeah. don't have the specific um, aspects sure. of that, but but one that I do think is incredibly relevant and, and it ties in to, to more of, an, of another issue that's not specifically crime related because it's not a crime to be homeless, no way, shape or form. And we do need to find effective mechanisms to dealing with the homelessness issue. But when you are releasing convicts into right. communities where there is already a homelessness crisis and epidemic underway when there's not housing for them we're only going to see spikes in those 
commun communities uh, of homelessness that, that are present. And that's where you actually can find some, some sad and fairly well-documented cases where, I mean, there's just a almost street thuggish mentality of the, the, the crime within homeless centers, you know, and homeless encampments yeah. is just devastating. And it's, and it's not in any way a humane way uh, to be treating people, which is why we really do need to get our homelessness issue under control, but it is not helped when you have criminals being released that have no place to go, that may end up homeless, and then just being essentially dumped into a community where there's already not much order, structure, or rule of law. And so that's where I think we actually see maybe some of those increases in crime that oftentimes are going to go unreported because they don't want police anywhere near them. But, you know, there's still some pretty very, you know, sad and tragic cases of, of crime, of again, homeless on homeless. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I was going to address the homelessness. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not a crime, but it contributes to the crime. And right. we see that everywhere. So right, right. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it creates a system where there's not order and, and anarchy is so easy to run rampant because again, you, essentially you have a system of who's the toughest person there and they're going to exert their, you know, kind of bullying control over anyone else, you know, in that, you know, encampment or area. And then that only spreads out you know, to, to just further, you know, crime epidemics. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we'll definitely go through again, just how people can get involved, where the different places that people can sign are, make sure that's, yeah, we all know that. And I know with the Newsom, there was a bunch of uh, online things circulating and I don't know how valid those were. So I want to be really clear, make sure Excellent. that we have qualified signatures. Yes. Yeah. Um, it requires a wet ink signature. You must print a hard copy petition and sign your name with a pen. That is an excellent point and that too oftentimes um, is missed. So if anyone thinks that they signed online, um, they basically gave their information to someone that's collecting it, but it did not count as a qualified signature for the recall effort of actually either Newsom or Gascon. Right. Um, but you can go to recallgasconnow.com. There's a gray button that says petition. Um, there's a three-step process um, that is present. Um, if you're going to circulate the petition, um, you would uh, need to uh, look uh, and print off uh, the, the official top funder sheet um, so that people who are signing uh, know who's behind the effort. You can print off the petition and you can collect signatures that way. The address to which they are mailed in Long Beach is listed there. And below that are a number of our partner locations, you know, throughout the county uh, where you can go in, you can sign, you could drop off petitions uh, to them as well. Um, you can usually even get a petition from them if for some reason your printer's out of toner. Um, I think that they could probably help you with that. Uh, we also have the, the volunteer link. Um, so if you had any questions at all, please, you know, uh, you know, volunteer with us. Um, we'll get connected. We'll make sure that if, if you're going to be out collecting signatures, we can get you a toolkit. We can get you some resources. 
If you're concerned, we can get you trained. We can get you partnered up. We can we can make this <laughs> as easy and smooth a process as possible, and, and hopefully actually pleasant and enjoyable as you're doing something so positive and so beneficial and so productive for Los Angeles County in, in making it a, a safer and better community and county for all of us. And so recallgascognow.com, petition, volunteer, please, uh, please join us. We also have some social media resources that you can share online. Awesome. I will definitely post the link to this. And I have one more question for you. Please. Uh, I, I, I tend to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, we were talking about, you know, when hopefully this goes through and people are looking at, you know, the potential other candidates that they might want to uh, vote in favor of. What I, I know we were talking about how we can look back in their history is a really good idea. We know that the uh, technology has not been super favorable to research these days. So what are <laughs> some suggestions you might have for people in leading the, that type of research and investigation so that they can be well-informed and educated? Voters. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would look for, for credible news sources. And I mean, you know, realistically, I mean, you know, you know, you'll probably find some Fox News articles that are out there. You know, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I kind of like some of BBC's stuff. I don't necessarily know that they're going to cover that. They're usually a little bit more on the international politics side sure. of things. But the other thing is actually the flip side of that is look for the little local newspaper, you know, links and the little local you know, uh, publications, they actually are most of the time the, the most nonpartisan. They, they, they still have old school kind of journalist tendencies of they're just reporting the facts. Um, so I know that, you know, some of the bigger, you know, outlets get a lot more partisan, they get a lot more, you know, I think biased in, in their reporting, but as much as possible, you know, scroll down, you know, you know, you know, maybe even, you know, click number two on the Google search and look for the, the small little publications because they oftentimes are just going to give you just the facts. Here's the cases that they've prosecuted. Here's what's happened with it. And, and I think that, you know, you can really find some pretty good information with a number of those smaller outlets um, that, that are going to be much less, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, unbiased and less partisan. That, that's such great advice. Yeah, I, I typically go to like the third page on any. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the smaller the location, especially since this is local and it's specific to Los Angeles, that's a uh, a really good point that that's a really great resource. Thank you. Oh, of course. That was a great question. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, uh, if you have anything else and if, uh, pl places where they can directly reach out to you if they have any questions. Uh, absolutely. Um, they're, they're well, my, my contact information is pretty much on, on the website, but if you just wanted to send an email, uh, you're also welcome to do so at info recallgascognow.com. And uh, we'll make sure that uh, we're in touch and that we get you, like I say, any resources, any help, any training that you need. Uh, we're, we're excited about this effort and we really wanna make sure that it, it goes through. 148 days to go, we need those signatures. So, so please get out there, uh, sign yourself, make sure your friends, your family have signed. Mm -hmm. And then if you feel comfortable, you know, take it to church, take it to book club, you know, take it, you know, to the coffee shop and, uh, you know, ask people, you know, it's, it's a great conversation starter. You know, are, are you concerned about safety in your community? Actually, yeah, you know, my car was broken into, my catalytic converter was stolen, you know, whatever that case may be. Well, how about we actually get a district attorney who prosecutes crime? It might help a lot and it might tell criminals that they can't get away with it uh, without any consequence for their actions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Courtney, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity and just being able to share. You're an amazing host. Um, this has just been a great opportunity and just, uh, just a wonderful time with you. So thank you so much for this. 
Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.